Hello and welcome to That Moment Heart to Heart Talk with Dr. Victoria Grinman. This is a talk to inspiring people about their amazing contribution in the world and their story of struggle through triumph. Thank you so much for joining us. And here we go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 17 of That Moment Heart to Heart Talk. And today I have Neil Conlin with me. I'm so excited to have you here, Neil. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This is now take two because I had a cyber security breach and wasn't connected to Facebook. And I know that you were going to help me with that later on. So thank you. <laughs> I'm really glad that we're finally on here today. And I'm really excited to just share you with the audience and everyone around. I recently met you and I'd love to sh you to share actually who you are in the world and how you contribute. Ooh, that's a very good loaded question. Um, so- Yeah, not who, a time to be humble. So right. definitely <laughs> share it all. <laughs> uh, who, who is Neil Conlon? Uh, so, uh, I'm a New York City native. I grew up in New York, um, had kind of a turbulent, crazy childhood like many of us do, uh, didn't have good frameworks and good examples in my life of, uh, of what a traditional family, I guess, would be like. Um, got kicked out of a bunch of schools, did a bunch of crazy things, happy to answer questions about the, those type of things, um, and then joined the Marine Corps uh, because I wanted to kind of escape from that situation. And so I served a bunch of years in the United States Marine Corps, travel all over the world, both, uh, pre nine 11 and post nine 11 service. Um, and, uh, came out of the military, struggled with my identity, uh, having to kind of take the pack off your back, uh, but traded the pack in for a suit and tie had some really interesting people take me under their wings and uh, did a bunch of very interesting corporate stuff, uh, all with no major college degree. Just kind of this idea that my grandparents instilled with me is that anything you put your mind to it, you can do it. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they overcompensated for uh, my parents when I was young and it just kind of imprinted in me in a meaningful way. And to this day, um, I think I can do anything I put apply myself to. Um, I've been leaped into the startup space and became a startup entrepreneur and startup founder and, you know, raise a bunch of investment capital and built big companies and most recently raised a uh, hundred million dollars in investment capital, built a big company, big company got acquired right before COVID. Um, in the background of that, uh, I kept on trying to like get my shit together mm. and I kept on like building up wealth and building on a relationship and trying to build all these things together. And it kept on trying to do it. And it just kept on falling apart in my hands. And, um, well, that's how it felt. And I remember about six years ago, I was married at the time, um, you know, had, was making great money, uh, traveled all over the world, had, you know, ki children, 5,000 square foot home, um, sitting on top of, uh, the presidential suite at the Lowe's hotel in South beach, having an expensive bottle of scotch by my side, by myself, overlooking the ocean and just being miserable. And really like taking stock for a moment and being like, what could I possibly want here? I've got an endless Amex card. I've got, you know, all the things. Why do I feel miserable? And it kind of led me to like a series of micro break, uh, breakdowns. Um, and I start, I really took steps to start to do a bunch of personal development work as I know you, you do as well. Um, and I started going to a bunch of personal development things and it started kind of like for me, and it's different for everybody. It started to be like quick injections of motivation or quick injections of, all right. It was like breadcrumbs that would lead me to the place to, to the next piece of it. 
but mm -hmm. I never, it never felt like I was grasping or it was taking me far enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, it's almost like the, the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, along the way to the big, you know, scary dragon, there's other challenges along the way. Um, and ultimately just send me deeper and deeper. And over time I sought mentorship and counsel and started going to men's events and masculinity events. And I started working with anthropologists and clinical psychologists. And because I'm just this, this infinite researcher, I started to really pay attention to the thing that really came to me after doing a whole bunch of personal development work and years of events. And when I started to listen to men, mm -hmm. I started to hear them differently. Mm. And, and, it, and, um, and so we can, we're going to talk a lot more about that specifically, but it led me to this point now where, you know, I have a serial entrepreneur, I have several different businesses. Um, you know, my passion is really around business coaching, uh, and hosting these men's retreats and this men's program that I have where there's a huge need in the world right now. And I can give specific examples of, of where men really need to seek counsel and need a system or a support system in place to empower them to have the right checks and balances in place in order for them to thrive instead of retreating to places where the, we have been as a society for a bunch of years. Mm -hmm. And that's me. I, I, I love it. I, first of all, you know, the way I reached out to you is because I saw you on one of the personal development platforms that we just happened to be both part of um, the Tony Robbins community. And one of the things that attracted me most to actually reaching out and speaking with you was your focus and the way that you focus on men. And we've talked about this personally on one of our first calls, but when you say that you know, men need it most now and what's happening for men in society, and I'll say as a therapist working with kids for over 15 years now, boys too, just in terms of how boys are being raised and what's going on in society around um, men. What's going on there in your mind? Like what, how would you describe that? What's happening energetically? And just um, when you say they need to be empowered, what's happening that's so disempowering? Great, great question. And so I'll make it, I'll give a disclaimer first, right? So I'll, I will probably make some unfiltered, very, congruent statements during this conversation, this part of the conversation, especially, but it comes from a place of, I want to help. And it comes from a place of over just in, just in 2020 alone. I mean, I've sp spoken to thousands of men one-on-one. -on -one. I spend my entire day is on the phone talking to men about the, the things they're going through. Right. And so I have this like research mind that is curating the data points constantly. And so the biggest challenge that's going on right now for men, well, there's two, two, two big ones. The first one leads to the second one. The first mm -hmm. one is, is that if you think about it, um, I'm 42. Um, and so as the women's empowerment movement has been scaling since 1950, right? The blueprint of where the man fits in the relationship has been changing mm -hmm. and the number of absentee fathers, the numbers of divorces, the number of uh, those kind of scenarios is growing like 10 or 20% per year. Mm -hmm. And when, when the masculine, right, the masculine role, right? If we, if we talk about masculine, feminine polarity, the yin and the yang, when the masculine is not able to show up, mm -hmm. it is natural for the feminine to assume elements of the masculine energy because the two need each other. Mm -hmm. And what that means is, is, and I'm, I'm going to make some statements, but I'm a huge supporter of women's empowerment. Uh, I have daughters. I support all, I support it all, but we're in this like ugly transformation stage where with so many fathers not showing up, or so many husbands or boyfriends or partners disappearing in the relationship abruptly, 
and not doing it in a meaningful way, uh, we have women who step into that masculine, masculine and feminine role. Mm -hmm. And so if you have children, if you have young boys, and this has been going on since the 70s, uh, let's just say a, a young boy, most of his, you know, most of his time is spent with his mom. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to school. And then, you know, 80 something percent of all teachers in schools are, are female. Mm -hmm. And then by the time the boy gets into his teens, unless somebody was driving him into more masculine influence or into his twenties, even when he starts dating women and people start asking him to man up or be more manly, mm. he doesn't, he doesn't have a, like what he, he doesn't even know what that means because he doesn't mm -hmm. have a framework or a template to that. Mm -hmm. and now, can I interject and just ask something because, you know, for people who know a lot about, you know, fem feminine, masculine energy, or um, what you mean, the distinction between man up and masculine energy, right? The, you're not, what is masculine, masculine energy? You know, when, when somebody says man up, boys or men, young men, they, they see it a certain way from what we see in the media. I mean, it's not the, the kind of masculine energy that you're necessarily talking about. Right, right. So, so taking a step back, right, there's this concept of masculine and feminine energy. This, and, it, and it's nothing to do with the organs that are between your legs, just to be clear, right? It's, it's nothing tied to your preference. It is just this, the, there, there's many ways in many religions and many types of, uh, holistic views about this idea of a, a masculine and a feminine energy that res, resides in each of us. Mm -hmm. And the, the masculine energy is meant to be practical and pragmatic mm -hmm. and decisive yeah. and create safety and security and hold space, mm -hmm. right? And the feminine is meant to be nurturing and emotional and erratic and disorganized and and uh, confused sometimes and soft and hard and back and forth, right? And so if you look at it from that standpoint, the way I always like to explain to explain it in my men's groups is like the, the, the masculine energy is meant to be the cliff, the shore, right? The rocks, right? We're, we are We are meant to be firm and the, the feminine energy is meant to be the ocean right the the perfect storm and so that there's this constant thing that, that is in, in every culture i've researched and every organization i've worked with whether well, there it starts with the i'm confused because the thing turns you around but like the, the the cliff right the masculine the rock is supposed to be like this all the time mm. and the and the feminine is meant to be this storm that is constantly going against the cliff and where the, when the two meet in the right way it is it is alignment right because without without the cliff the wave doesn't exist yeah right because it needs to be it needs to be it needs to needs one needs the other to exist right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And without without the wave, the cliff is nothing, right? Because yeah. It needs, so it, it almost needs those things need to happen in order for us to be balanced. And when we're in this stage where that is slightly confused now, and when the when the when the cliff is being taken away, when the masculine is being taken away, because the cliff was not taught how to be a cliff, or taught how to be firm the storm gets more erratic. The storm feels un unsure. Then eventually the, the, the water goes, well, I guess we're just going to be our own cliff. Yeah. Right. So that, that's the first piece of that really is tied to the fact of without, with a lot of absentee fathers and a lot of good examples of strong men during, I'm not saying there's not a lot of strong men running around. I'm saying that during those periods of evolution of young men 
we've lost a lot of our way with being able to show up as adults because we don't have the framework, the temp template or the imprint. Mm -hmm. The second piece of it is, and we're seeing this evolve very, very much over the past week and a half is, and I say this as a white man who has multi-ethnic daughters, just to be clear. Um, I, in my life have never, it's like that game, right? Have I ever, have I ever, never, whatever it's called. Never have I ever. Yeah. Right. Never have I ever felt like I was getting paid less for my gender. Mm. Never have I ever walked out of a bar or some other scene and had a, wo a woman follow me down the street whistling or trying to take me home with her. Um, maybe I should work on that. But, um, you know, never have I ever, you know, been pulled over and been concerned about putting my hands on the wheel of a car and uh, potentially getting shot or taken to jail again, like for some silly reason. Right. Mm. And there's there's 30 other reasons of those that I've mapped out. I've ne I, I don't know what that's like, which means yeah. I well, you can look at that as like, well, that's all, you know, minority people, women, whatever. But what happens is, is that all of those women who have persevered through those things, all of those men, of, men of color or anybody who's been through those has built a muscle and knows what it's like to feel uncertainty. Mm -hmm. and knows what it's like to grow and evolve past that. Mm -hmm. If you look at the statistics, we live in a culture where the people who are pissed off, the people who are running around doing all this crazy stuff, like even like what the, happened in the Capitol building recently, it's all people who don't have any muscle for uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And so when those two things connect, right, that brings us to where we are, where we don't have a good example of, of, security and safety and that cliff, the cliff is not firm right now. Mm -hmm. And then you have such uncertainty. That's where I think the two biggest challenges are for, for our culture and society right now. And why, why is this so important to you? Why have you taken this up as something that is important for you to, you know, trail blaze through? Um, one, because I have seen personally the effects of what happens when you create a support system and have the right counsel, mm -hmm. right? The crazy, the crazy thing is, and I was speaking about this in my men's, one of my men's groups last night, is like, if you get, if you get a group of men together and they are like-minded mm -hmm. and um, you can honor the four agreements, and you can just spend time together. The worst thing that'll happen is is that you'll that you'll 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 learn more awareness and perspective. It's the worst thing that could happen. That's the worst. That's the worst. That would be the best. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? You, you you can go, you can go to you can go to an event and feel like you, you you can go to a bar and feel like it wasn't worth the the cost of drinks. You go to a restaurant and get bad food. You can go on a date and feel like you spent, like you didn't connect with the person. There's all these things that you that people do every single day. You go to a movie when we can mm -hmm. go to movies and be like the movie wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. The worst that'll happen is that you'll get more awareness and more perspective. The mm -hmm. the the best that'll happen is that you'll build community with men who will support you and will empower you to make better decisions mm -hmm. and it, it's a it's a and there's this thing that goes on like i'm sure you probably experience it like the hard part is is that the, the feminine is built for community right so that's why women can build community women can like all these things about like women can go to the bathroom together and uh have a conversation right women can get together into a book club you know women because there, there's a natural need to build the tribe and the community mm -hmm. and men it's really we're not wired because we don't have that template in place or that framework in place on how to ask for help or how to build support mm -hmm. and so tying that all in what i what i what i realized was i went through a bunch of turbulent relationships um i had a really bad case of savior syndrome for a long time i thought mm -hmm. i could save everybody um and after doing all this work 
I started to realize that when, as, as I'm doing all this work, my daughter, who's nine now, is growing past this little alien phase. And I'm this single dad who is overcompensating for things like parents do sometimes. Yeah. And I, and I caught myself and I said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to hold, I'm going to try and operate as the man that I want my daughter to be attracted to when she gets older. Mm. And I'm hoping that if, if I'm saying that the thing that's missing from society is men showing up in the lives of their children, then I have a responsibility to show up in this little girl's life and break and break the cycle. Mm -hmm. And so I have adopted this mantra of like, and it's very weird for men, very weird for men, I think, uh, to, to go down this path is make sure that she's seen and heard and understood all the time and make her feel safe and secure all the time. And that way, like she can be her, you know, she can be, be erratic and be emotional and be all the things. But the minute that she needs, that she need needs me and, and asks, right. Permission. You know, I take a, I take one step in and say, what do you need? And the minute that she doesn't need me anymore, I just back up and let her thrive. Right. It's that, mm -hmm. it's that cliff and the ocean, mm -hmm. right. That the cliff is just there. Whenever, whenever the ocean needs to bang against it, it's there and it's yeah. a rock and it's not going to go anywhere. And when I started to do that, I started to see how much our relationship thrives. And wow. then I, I started to use that practice with other women in my life, my mom, you know, my cousins, whoever it was, I started to, and I started to see how it actually changed the energy and changed the relationship that I have with these people. Wow. And then when I started to take it to men, you know, you start to realize like how much we just all, I, I can take that conversation to a man and I can do a diagnostic now and recognize how much he's leaning in on the feminine in his life. Because if that feels really good to him, he's in the, he, like if the, if, if the water, if I'm talking to the water and the water reacts and the cliff is not, you now know which direction you need to go in. Mm. Got it. So if you're talking to a man and you're presenting this, Right. And, and I was actually let me let me actually back up and just give a clear example of something I was just reading in David Data's book. Um, you know, my partner was just reading uh, The Superior Man, which oh, so good. And I'm reading uh, It's a Guy Thing, which is such mm -hmm. a great book for women. Um, and I was telling you before this segment that I wish I had it sooner in my life. Uh, not so much because it's such a manual, but it answers all the questions that we have in our minds. But one of the one of the things that um, Data was saying was, you know, so he was speaking to women in the book, and he says, "Well, what kind of what kind of man do you do you seek for yourself? Do you want someone who?" And and this is less about you know attraction sexually and more about like the energy that you're talking about in terms of security and safety that um, you know the feminine really really craves from the masculine is do you want that you know if you're erratic and moody and you shut the door and I don't want to talk do you want someone who says all right I'll leave you alone to do your thing or do you want someone who walk you know asks permission walks through the door holds you says you're loved and I'm going to keep holding you until you feel you're loved, um, regardless of whether you're, you know, flailing and moody. And he pontificate, you know, he'll say you probably want the latter, you know, because um, like you said, we, you know, the feminine, you know, pushes, right, like, and is kind of erratic. And the masculine is there to just assure and, and really provide that safety and security. And I wonder when you take that to men, what do you think of what I just said? And then when you take that to men, what, what do you find is the reaction or the, is it something that is just natural? Oh yeah, that's, that's true or right. Or do you find that most um, don't know what you're talking about at first? 
Well, I, I think it depends on where you are in the conversation with yourself. Ah. Right. And so like, like one of the things I think is fantastic. So I, I belong to David Data's and John Wineland's mastermind group. And so we meet once a week and we, we do this type of work and answer these type of questions all the time. And the thing that comes up for me there is we live in this time where there's so much media and so much information available that I think one of the struggles in the relationships is uh, we come together with people and then we expect them to say, have the same definitions of what we have. And one of the things that I subscribe to is many of these words, love, uh, trust, uh, integrity, leadership, sexy, um, all the words that are tied into relationships, uh, prop, really trauma, uh, fear, insecurity, anxiousness, um, have three layers to them, right? Like, like, like integrity is a really good one, right? Like you and I come from very different walks of life. And if we were having an argument about in, who has better or who has the right integrity, we might, if we, unless we define that together, we may be arguing about something that either of us really think is true, but we mm. still argue about it because we're triggered by that. And what, so a good, a good practical example, the first level of integrity, first layer of integrity is the integrity I have outward, right? The integrity I have in my word to people. The second level of layer of integrity is the layer of integrity I have myself. Mm -hmm. Like, did I do the thing I said I was going to do that I told myself, right? The inner, the, the mind, right? The voice inside of us. And then there's the layer of integrity that we have with whatever divine version you believe in. Mm -hmm. And, and so I oftentimes have to break that down to men because what happens is even men who operate with a very high integrity out in the world, I said I was going to do it, so therefore I'm going to do it. I, you know, like I, I show up on time to every meeting, right? But then there's like the conflict of the internal integrity where I said I was going to do something, but I didn't mean it, but I needed to say it because she needed to hear that or he needed to hear that. And then I ran and did something else. Uh. And, but that doesn't mean that you don't have integrity outward. It just means mm -hmm. that you're, that there's a conflict in there that needs to be resolved. Mm. And, and then there's the integrity with like connecting those two together where, you know, congruence for men is a very important thing. And what I've, what I've realized from my own work is if you're operating through all three of those, right? Like, and it, and it works for all those words, you know, I think, so the biggest thing is, is when I talk to men, what I often find is there are men in different stages of that. There are men who are, missing or are aware that something is missing but not sure what it is mm -hmm. then then there are men who know they're making mis they're making mistakes and they're not operating at the place that they really want to but don't mm -hmm. know how to get don't know how to get there mm -hmm. and and then there are men who feel who are probably a little bit older in life 45 and older usually who feel like they are missed out on opportunities to correct it and are seeking ways to come to terms and let go of a lot of the things that they may have done or not let go of in the past. Mm -hmm. Got it. This just brings to light how, I don't want to say complicated, but complex and layered this is. And you just really highlighted something that I think comes up for a lot of people, which is integrity, for example, if we use integrity as, as multi-layered, you know, it's not just, um, doing what you say you're going to do, but then the integrity within the self, which I mean, it really was like an aha moment when you said it for me. Um, and what, going back to you for just a moment, I know that you shared a little bit about your past and where you come from. And what would you say, and it sounds like the support system was incredible for you, but what would you say were some factors that really helped you in your struggle? Because you didn't just come from where you came from and then suffered through it. It sounds to me like you really honed that art of struggling through and creating meaning around what's happened in your life. And I just wonder, what was that process like for you or what's there for you about that? Oh, it was, uh, 
painful and brutal. Um, you know, I, I, I was married once, uh, then divorced. And my parents, my mom was married three times and my dad married three times. And I got into my next relationship and got about five years in. And I said to myself, I, I, I just, at some point, the cycle is just going to, you know, keeps on going. Right. And at some point for, for all of us, right. Whether it's drinking, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's money, whether anything, the, at some point you have to do a retrospective and be like, why does the first, the first thing is blame, right? Why does this keep happening to me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, I think I give some of the credit to my military background to really kind of take stake and to do retrospective and to be able to be like, all right, where are we in this mission? You know, what's the plan? Why do we keep on failing at the mission? And how do we adjust, adjust? And it was really painful for me because I come from a family of with a lot of, with a lot of stuff, like a lot of people do, you know, and uh, I really, the short version is, you know, for two years, I did every single Reiki, every single shamanic sweat lodge. I went to Buddhist temples. I went to Hindu temples in India. Like I was like flying all over the world while I was building all these amazing things and then spending a couple of days in these places. And the, the crazy answer is, the quick answer is, I found no answers, nothing, mm -hmm. that, would, nothing that would stick. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for people who have alcohol or drug problems, you know, like they talk about going to rock bottom and not being able to find the answer. Mm -hmm. And people either go in one direction or the other. And I, and I went to rock bottom on personal development. And I'm like, I still can't find it. And it really like took me a hard conversation with myself to go inward and say, what's the worst that could happen if I just focus on seeking counsel from men? Mm. And there is something to it to be like, you know, I, and then, and then I started to, you know, pull, do a lot of this men's work and start to really research on like the things that are missing and the things that are lacking and then realizing like, it's nobody else's fault. It's, it's like, you know, like my, my story before I did a lot of work, I used to tell people like, even with the successes I had, I'd be like, I used to tell myself, the only reason why I'm not making tens or hundreds of millions of dollars is because my dad was a prick and, mm -hmm. uh, and he left my mom when he was five and he went to prison and, uh, you know, this and that I submit. And now, like, even though I don't have a great relationship with my father, like, I love the fact that he did that. Mm. Like he, he, my mom had me when she was 16. My grandfather showed up at my other grandfather's door and said, when are you marrying my daughter? And, you know, the first time I used my mom's cocaine, I was 11. And I got kicked out of four schools. I got pistol whipped as a kid. And they were all such gifts. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think about just to dig into this for a second, because it's coming up for me. Like I've had black people as we go through this very challenging time for black Americans in my face, telling me that I have no idea what it's like to be uh, accosted by the cops or be judged by the police or all these other things. And I look him right back in the face and I'm like, you see this scar right here? This is when a cop took his nine millimeter and bashed my face in when I was 14 for no reason other than I ran away when I was spray painting graffiti. Um, and then they go, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. You really do understand it. And it's such a gift. The crazy thing is that people seem to wrap around trauma like, like, it is, like it is such a gift because we're going through so much change and so so much challenge that the ability to understand what other people are going through. And for me, it's the ability to understand what other men are going through as all this stuff is changing is such a powerful thing that comes from a fact of I've experienced more things than you have.
And, and not to say that's a bad thing or a good thing, I just have. And I want to share that with men. And I want to say, hey, the thing you're looking for, the thing you keep on re trying to reproduce, it isn't there. Like you're just digging in the wrong spot. You just got to dig over here a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I love what you just shared in the world of post-traumatic growth, which is my area of, of deep expertise and love, what you call yourself is an expert companion. It's like, you're able to, without pushing, understand where someone is in their journey and really guide them and, and almost see the possibility for them without them having to see it yet for themselves and just know and hold space for what's possible. I think that's awesome. I think that's amazing. And in terms of the how and why men show up or don't, is there a quick answer for that? Um, the, I mean, I think it goes back to the stages, right? When, when, what I've experienced is that when men are operating from the feminine, right? They want to be seen, heard, and understood. They need to be heard. You know, like, so, so, so really th that's really what, what happens is a lot of men will come to me and say, I, I just need someone to listen to me and I need, I need to be heard. And we, and, and I go there and we start there Yeah. and I, and I can hear that, but now it's like, all right, is that where, you, wh where do you want to go? Right. It's, it's like the example I've heard recently that I really like is like, we keep on getting into a car, you got the keys but you don't know where you, where you got to go. There's no map, there's no destination. So mm -hmm. where do you go? You don't, mm -hmm. you get out, you get in the next car, you get in the next mm -hmm. car. And we do in our relationships, we do it with finances. We, we, without a model, men will constantly try to reproduce a model that they can follow. And I, I always say it's like the best, the best thing I will say on this whole podcast is like, it is like the ideal scenario is that we get a box full of Legos and it comes with the instructions on how to make a school bus. And we can and we can follow the little steps and put together a school bus and be happy that we put the school bus together. And for a lot of us, we go through these periods of our lives where the box showed up with no directions, no picture, we don't know, and we keep on building something. And just when we think we got it, we're like, we're missing pieces. It, it wasn't the thing. And we're like, all right, let's try again. And yeah. we keep on doing it over and over again. And the, the other thing that's worth mentioning there is the hardest part is while this, while the, the ocean is changing, mm. right? And mm -hmm. the ocean, right? The, the feminine, when, when, a, when a woman can be in her thirties and forties and be beautiful, smart as fuck, make her own money, have her own house potentially have children and take care of them and multitask all those things. And I don't have a framework or a blueprint to follow. Where does the man fit into that? Where does the man feel like he fits into that conversation? Because head of household is, is, is not, is a, is a different conversation. Uh, money, money provider is now half money maker, you know, half provider. And so without those things, the the cliff is wondering why the cliff exists mm -hmm. and this is why you have like this is why you have shootings in schools are always boys right this is why you have veterans veterans in crisis who with ptsd now women have it too but men are the ones that kill themselves right mm -hmm. this is why you have so much ma ma masculine suicide it's not for any other reason other than guys are going i don't know where i fit mm -hmm. This is what you're talking. I, first of all, you described me and a lot of my friends. Um, and when and it's a personal conversation in my head as you're talking. And I appreciate it so much. And I'll just be really transparent because so many of us, especially, especially I want to say in this Western society, right? Um, we live in a very masculine, dominated Space and especially being in New York, you know, it's a it's just a very masculine energy city, and we're constantly. I love your your shirt, pressing forward, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about that in a bit. Um, we're constantly pressing forward, and in relationships, something that I've noticed a great deal. I always used to say, "Why is this person so intimidated, or why can't they just and?" for lack of a better term, man up, like what's going on here, 
right? Isn't it my job to want to be heard? <laughs> you know, like what's happening? And it's very confusing. And then what ends up happening is dissolution of relationships. And, you know, for reasons of what not, you know, nobody knows why they just kind of fall apart. But what you're talking about is a bit of, first of all, clarity um, for, for the, you know, for people who aren't in the personal development space all the time and understanding this, but also your work really, I think is a gift to, to women as well as men um, when you work with men and also just relationships and families in general. I'm just thinking of so many of the families I work with that do have little boys and girls and, you know, to grow up in a family where both energies are really harnessed and nurtured and loved and appreciated. I, I, I would have loved, I mean, I loved my, my childhood and I love my parents, but that would have been an incredible um, environment to grow up in. Yeah, and a big piece of why I do what I do really is um, when I started to go down this path, uh, I spoke um, at uh, Google's uh, conference on inclusion and diversity. And um, lots of Me Too, Me Too, lots of uh, uh, LGBT folks and people of color. And here the white guy, the white military veteran with sleeve tattoos gets on stage and starts talking about a topic. And for lack of better words, I was shunned. Mm. And I got off that stage and I took stock in that. And I said, you know what? That's not my problem. Right. That's, that's, that's not my shit. That's their shit. And that was a huge growth moment for me because I learned that I could then navigate through that conversation. Um, but ultimately what I've adopted is this idea of how, how, how I don't need to justify to the me too movement, why I'm, why I'm committed to your conversation of women's empowerment, but what mm -hmm. I'm going to do, I don't need the credit for it. I don't want the credit for it, but what I want to do is have impact on it. And how do I have impact on it? You want to protect and save the women, you, you educate the men, mm -hmm. right? Because the reality is, is that regardless, right, we live in a society that is still dominated by decision makers and leadership that is predominantly men mm -hmm. and men who have to be able to adjust to society's movements in a way that is meaningful, right? We have a society where and with one of my coaching clients, I coach companies now, big companies, on adopting healthy masculinity in the workplace. Mm. Because for the first okay. time ever, first time ever, you have a 24-year-old smart woman who came out of Columbia, Wharton, Yale, Harvard, wherever, um, in, a, in a world where the CEO is 65 and at one point in his career could do martini lunches with the executive assistant. Mm -hmm. And the difference in ideals, values, behaviors, and belief systems there is massive. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's a big piece of it is um, really just being able to, to hold space for really what's going on. The other piece worth mentioning is, you know, a lot of people like to throw these weird definitions over words. A big one that comes up for me a lot is this whole idea of toxic masculinity, Right. And people are very triggered by this idea that, that of toxic masculinity. Now, going back to what we started this conversation with, um, if the boy had no example of what a positive masculine presence is, how can, how can we measure level of toxicity? Mm. Right? That's the first piece. The second piece is I really look at this in when when something triggers me when i see a even on the internet when i see something where someone's like you know something political or something racial or something whatever and we all get, get triggered i always operate I, I let it take stock and i look at it like this what's the compassionate reaction to that mm -hmm. and and so if somebody's on top of a building waving a crazy flag you know like and we get triggered by the colors of the flag the person doing it the type of person doing it if we hold compassion for that and be like what what would it take for me to do that 
-hmm. what what would it really take for me to be in a state where I had to grab the flag, run to the place and do the thing and think about how triggered and how scared that person had to be. And that's just kind of the way they're letting it all out. Mm -hmm. Got it. I love how you describe things. That's very, very visual and palatable, if I can use that word. Um, I want to know so badly because I keep seeing it all over social media. What's this press forward thing? <laughs> um, so four or five years ago, uh, I was running a company and I wanted to go down the path of uh, the company doing really well, making good money. And I really was felt drawn to building, building a brand. And um, I worked with some of the biggest brand agencies at the time, spent a boat ton of money, went through all these branding exercises. Wait a minute, Neil. Is this before or after you did the bobblehead and the Pez dispenser and? <laughs> be, it, before. Oh, okay. Before, <laughs> yes. Clear, clearly, I, I like to build businesses. Um, <laughs> But it was interesting because, so the reason why I'm telling the story is so when, you, when when people struggle or are trying to figure out how you build a brand, the biggest one is you build your personal brand. And um, if you work with a big branding agency, uh, and if anyone's interested in it, I can give access to the surveys and stuff like this. They put you through this big, huge, like 100 question survey. How would you do this? Why would you do this? What would you do? All these questions. And you get done. And they, then they put you through this intensive interview where they actually review every question and be like, is this really how you feel it? Did you really want to pick C or did you want to pick B, but you didn't feel comfortable? Like, long story short, they take you through this whole big thing. And then you get a, 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 an interview with the CEO of the company and they put this four page document in front of you. And the, I was reading the doc, document and the craziest thing is, is like, I was like, uh-huh, that's me. Uh-huh, that's me. Uh-huh, that's me. And on the last page, they were like, your brand is press forward. Ooh. And it's like the whole, like every little thing that when you go through these exercises, it all just kind of clicks and makes sense to the whole thing. And then I put the whole thing on the back burner because I was uh, building other businesses and companies and I didn't recognize the value of it. And in 2020, I felt drawn uh, to resurface the brand because it really is a brand that's built for all of us now. Right, that's the, my tagline is press forward a brand for all of us now. And mm -hmm. uh, currently I have hoodies, uh, hats, um, notebooks and some other swag items. Um, and uh, we sell a lot of them. And uh, every single time that somebody buys a hoodie or hat, um, I make a donation to Veterans in Transition, uh, Men in Crisis uh, and uh, Men's Mental Health Awareness uh, Charities. I love that. That's incredible. And by the way, press forward. I mean, it's just so in, in line with just growing through struggle. And it's a testament to perhaps you weren't ready then, but you're ready now. And it's incredible. Thank you. Um, wait to buy my stuff. So I know that you have a, I just happen to know that you have a retreat coming up February 19th, right? The weekend after um, Valentine's Day for men in your home in Cold Spring, is that correct? Yeah, that, that is correct. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I figured after the men uh, have a weekend of love with their loved ones, uh, they should have a, men, a weekend of masculinity to kind of reset and balance the wheels out. Um, so yeah, it's February 19th, 20th and 21st. Um, it's at my private residence in Cold Spring, New York, which is a seven acre uh, amazing place. Uh, we will come together as a group of 15 men. Uh, we have a few spots left, I believe. Um, we will spend the weekend together. It'll be all uh, out, outdoors. Um, there will be COVID precautions all in place. Um, and we will have facilitators uh, and we will seek counsel, do the men's work. And what I always say to everybody when they say, well, what, what actually happens at these things? What do what you just like chant and like, you know, throw spears at each other? Um, <laughs> But the reality is, is that what I've found is that uh, every time a man has brought me his challenge, his trauma, his whatever it is, um, I tell them that all they need to do is 
experience a hero's journey. And what that means is you need to get the call for adventure. You need to gather a group of like-minded men. You need to go on quests and then head to a big, scary monster, conquer that monster, and then go home and have the spoils of war laid before you. And mm. as crazy as it sounds, it seems to work for Netflix and it seems to work for the men that we work, that we work with. I love that so much. And I'm just very personally, you know, as you're talking, I'm getting chills. And whenever that happens, it just means it resonates for me. And I wanted to share that because like I said, I think that when, whenever, you know, women are supported, whenever men are supported, it helps society. It helps the family. It helps the relationship. It helps the individual. Um, and, you know, just reading in, in David Data's book, how important it is for women. And I certainly feel this when I'm with my women friends, we can just let our hair down and just enjoy and gab and eat and talk and be nuts and laugh and be silly. And the same is important for men to really harness their masculinity and um, be around like-minded, um, more evolved and conscious beings. And I love it so much. So if anyone out there is seeking that kind of experience or knows a man who um, would be just even a little interested, I would say just go and then Neil will take care of the rest. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. I love it. Um, is there going to be any gifts for the women in the men's lives in the swag bag? Um, so, th well, I, I think the gift is how your man returns back to the home. Uh, that's but I'm really point. interested in the sweatshirt, Neil. I'm really interested in the sweatshirt. Could there be a sweatshirt and a medium for women in that bag for David? <laughs> well, we, we, I'm sure we can figure something out. Awesome. Um, and Neil, before we end for today, I wonder, is there anything that you'd like to say as far as a mantra or a quote or anything that you want to leave people with um, for today from our conversation? Um, ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, the, the mantra, I think, really becomes um, every since we're going through this turbulent time, uh, whenever you are triggered, whenever someone is triggered by a behavior, always ask yourself, what's the compassionate response? I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. I, I loved you being on here today. Thank you so much for sharing you, your space. I see your beautiful space and just your energy. It was invaluable. And we'll talk again soon. Great. Well, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Neil.